Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, welcome. Thank you, it's great to be here. You know, we uh, over the last few weeks, you've been doing a series called The Mysteries of the Kingdom, and you've been talking about the parables that Jesus spoke about, and now we're gonna be continuing that in chapter 13. Give us a little bit of an idea where you're going. Yeah, we get to the end of chapter 13, and there are three very short parables, I mean, just one right after another, and all three of them have to do with one theme. And it's really a question that we could ask, uh, when we come to the kingdom of heaven, how valuable is this thing? Yeah. And uh, why is it important for us to find out how valuable it is? Because all of that will change the way in which we live our lives. Great, look forward to that. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us again today and we'll be right back. You know, every one of us have heard the story of people who have made you know, bad choices in life. Uh, and they've made choices in which they have, in consequence of those choices, experienced considerable harm. But most of those stories are really about misplaced values. Explain what I mean. I want you to imagine a scenario of an individual who's looking for advancement in his firm, um, and uh, you know he's looking to rise quickly and make lots of money, and yet he comes to realize that in order to gain that, he has to put in 16-hour days and long, long weekends as well. Well, after a period of time, he finds out he's got very little time for the home. He's got a wife, he's got some kids, and he soon finds out that his relationship with his wife is not what it used to be. In fact, they don't have time for intimacy. The only time that they now have, it has to do with things like, you know, Johnny needs braces, and Sally got a bad report card, and the furnace needs fixing, and everything is a crisis, and everything is about something they have to do, and it's never about intimacy and the joy in relationship and common shared goals and plans and what they want to become together. No time for that because everything is sacrificed on the altar of getting ahead in business. But this same man's got you know, a work colleague, female, and um, you know, she's beautiful, and they never talk about you know, Johnny's braces, and they never talk about a furnace that needs fixing. The only thing they talk about are joint goals that they share together. Well, you know where this story is going to lead. It's going to lead to adultery and the dissolving of a marriage, and it'll ultimately, ultimately it will lead to, to failure. What's this story really all about? Yep, it's about the sin of adultery, sure enough. But what led to adultery are these misplaced values about the things that we think matter the most. Here's what a great saying, and I've, <laughs> I haven't memorized it, but I love this. It says, some people know the price of everything, but they know the value of nothing. <laughs> the price of everything and the value of nothing. That is, they don't know how to evaluate what they have. Matthew chapter 13 contains a series of seven parables that Jesus tells about the kingdom of heaven. And the last three of them, they're all short, right at the end of the chapter, are parables that talk about the value of the kingdom. That is, how valuable is the kingdom? So before I read them, let me ask a series of questions. How valuable do you think the life of Jesus is? How valuable do you think forgiveness of sins are? How valuable is personal holiness? How valuable is the knowledge of scripture? 
How valuable is it to have intimacy with your Savior? I mean, how valuable is it to understand God's providence and his active care in every single area of your life? Now, how valuable do you think those commodities are? So if you think they're just like doctrines that you kind of hang out there while you're pursuing other things, you've already understood the value of those. So here are the parables that Jesus told, and they are told in order to get us to evaluate our own lives. Here's the first of them. I'm reading Matthew 13 and verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Now, it sounds like an unlikely story, that is, from our reading of it. But in the ancient world, it's not really that unlikely at all. So remember that in the world that Jesus lived, people didn't have bank accounts and places where they could safely keep their valuables. And so what do they do with them? Well, they might find a place in their house for them, but remember Jesus said, you know, do not store up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Well, the kind of houses that people had in those days, at least the poor people, I mean, these were houses, you could actually dig through the back of them. You could rob a guy blind and he wouldn't even know that you were there. So you wanna be careful if you have a treasure. And some very poor people had some very expensive treasures. It was kind of like the retirement package. And so, I mean, where do you hide that? And so you might not want to hide it in your house. So you might want to find a place somewhere and bury it found in a field. Now, how often did this kind of thing happen? Well, interestingly enough, there was found in the caves of Qumran. Now, if you don't know what that is, let me explain it. You know, Qumran are the place where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. You might have seen pictures of them. They're these ancient scrolls found in caves. And one of these scrolls was called a, the Copper Scroll. And part of what was found in the Copper Scroll is a list, watch this, of 64 places in Palestine where treasure was supposed to be hidden. In other words, if you're gonna hide your treasure out in a field somewhere, well, you're gonna have to look for a place to hide it safely. So you might find it in a field, and then you're gonna have to keep a record somewhere of where that is. Here's another truth. You know, sometimes people never got to actually utilize their treasure. And so it was left hidden there, and nobody remembered that it was there. I mean, in times of war, people are displaced or people are killed, or sometimes they just get old, and everyone has forgotten that there was such a treasure. So it turns out that treasure hidden in a field was not so unusual after all. Um, now, we also know that in the ancient world, there were laws about what to do when you find this treasure, and one of the laws had to do with the ownership of the field. Somebody owns that field, the treasure automatically belongs to them. So here's an individual who's walking through, you know, a field that's not his, and he stumbles across, maybe his, his toe uh, hits something and it sounds solid, and he digs it up and he opens up a box and he finds a vast treasure. I mean, you know, this guy's not worth a lot, but he finds something that is worth more than, you know, a thousand wages that he could have earned in his lifetime. So it's a treasure indeed. And in his joy, says Jesus, in his joy, he sells everything he has because he knows the value of that treasure is worth far more than the value of everything else that he possesses. Now, what do we learn about that?
You know, the, the parable that Jesus told about the treasure that was hidden in a field is really a story that gets at the heart of some of the language that we use that betray our attitudes. You know, sometimes an individual will talk about the sacrifices that are required to be made for, uh, for the Christian life, and it's as if it's such a hard thing. So I want you to imagine the individual who found the treasure in a field and had to sell everything that he had. So what did he have? Well, maybe he had his own fishing business, so he sold the boat. Uh, maybe he had a small tract of land, so he sold that in whatever house was there at the edge of the property. Uh, maybe he had a few other items. They wouldn't have been much, and he sells everything. So here's the question. Do you think that guy made a sacrifice? Well, the answer is absolutely not. Once he cashes in the treasure, he can buy back his own boat and maybe a bigger boat than that in his house, and he can buy anything he wants to. You see, the fact is that the treasure in the field is more valuable than anything else you have. So let's take this to heart. In Philippians 3, verse 8, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, he says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count all of these things, he says, as rubbish is a manure pile. That's literally what Paul is saying. It's, that's what it is. Everything that I have in this earth can't amount to a hill of beans next to the values of the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of heaven offers me eternal things. And the kingdoms of this earth offer me temporal things that I might have for a brief moment that slide out of my hands. It's worthless in the light of eternity. So the first value that Jesus asks us to assess is the value of the kingdom of heaven. How much do you think that eternal life is worth? Okay, that's the first parable that Jesus told. Now he tells a second one. He says, and I'm reading now uh, uh, Matthew chapter 13, 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, it might seem to us in reading this that this just reads exactly like the parable that's gone before. You know, you sell everything you have. In this case, it's not a treasure, but it's a pearl of, you know, inestimable value. But there are a couple of differences here. Uh, in the parable of the pearls, you have an individual who's actually searching for something of lasting value. I mean, it, it's kind of like a, a reflection of the human heart that says, there's got to be more than everything that I presently have. I mean, we know that's true because we all know of individuals who are either Hollywood stars or people who are famous or who had political power and then took their own lives because everything they had was not worth it. It didn't bring them the fulfillment that they wanted out of life over the everlasting joy that they were looking for. And that's what we have portrayed here. So I want you to think about that for a moment. Did you know that there are people who regularly sacrifice everything they have. Soldiers go to war because they're ready to sacrifice their lives for the glory of the nation of which they live. Here's another example. Gangland violence. You know, we have, you know, gangbangers, gang members, you know, who ride around in, you know, black SUVs and, you know, have guns in the thing and are ready to go for a shootout and are dealing with 
turf and drug wars and everything else that follows. Well, these individuals think that the glory of guns and power and prestige and getting all the gals you could get and all the money you could possibly have would be worth sacrificing their lives. They're willing to make the sacrifice. Here's another example. I mean, think about students who may go to, year, uh, to school for years, maybe even a decade and more, to get a very specialized career that not only sets them up for life, but gives them meaning in terms of helping other people. They're willing to sacrifice the immediate for something that's to be had down the road. Or another example, parents all the time. Parents sacrifice their finances for their own children. They think it's a great investment and would gladly give what they have so that their children have more than they ever had. It's, it's an example we find all the time. See, that's what's going on. People are looking to find something, a pearl of great price. And when they find it, says Jesus, this is what the gospel is. It's a pearl of great price. In other words, when they find it, you've been trading in pearls all your lives. And then you come upon a stone and you think to yourself, I mean, in all of my life, I never thought I would find what I'm actually holding in my hands now. Maybe once in a lifetime, maybe once every 500 years, someone finds a pearl this expensive. And you can almost imagine this trembling merchant with a pearl in his hand. He's, his hand is shaking. He can't believe what he has. And he says, I'm gonna sell everything that I have so I can get this one. All the other pearls that I've ever accumulated in my life don't equal this one. And I would be an utter fool to die without this. Let me tell you a little story. I once saw a video, it was fascinating to me, of a guy who went down a street and his camera's following him. He had a stack of chocolate bars, long Hershey bars, and in the other he had a silver bar. And he asked people that he uh, stopped all the time and said, would you like to have a chocolate bar or would you like to have this silver bar? And without exception, every single person says, wow, chocolate bar for free and grabbed it, not realizing, I don't know how much the, the silver bar was worth, but I'm sure it could have bought you well over a hundred chocolate bars and a lot more. In other words, a lot of people have difficulty assessing the value of things. But this merchant, when he saw it, saw immediately how valuable it is. That's what it's like for everyone who finds the kingdom of heaven. Somehow the Holy Spirit awakens in the heart that this thing that we have found is of greater value than the sum total of everything else that this world has to offer. What a joy it is to give up everything for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. You know, I said that at the end of Matthew 13 uh, contains three very short parables that Jesus told, and it talks about how valuable the kingdom of heaven actually is. So we've looked at two of them, and I want to read the last of them. It's found in Matthew 13, verse 47 and following. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. 
the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you'll notice that Jesus has already interpreted the parable for us. But what I'd like to do is to help you to see how this parable deals with the value of things. See, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea. And and like so many of the parables that Jesus told, it was about what people saw every single day. If you were to go by the Sea of Galilee, you would see all these small fishing boats, and they all had these, these, these spreading nets that people would throw out. And some of them, I mean, they would be huge. They would be, you know, as much as a thousand feet long but they would have weights in the center and the weights would take it down to the bottom and, but they would have corks that were around the outside edge that would keep the net floating at the edges at the top. And so you have a great big scoop in the water, if you will. The fish would come into that net and then the fishermen would pull the net together and then drag the net up and there would be this whole host of fish. They were drag nets. And the thing about a dragnet is that it catches everything. It's not tailor-made for one kind of a fish. And Jesus said that, you know, this net is like the kingdom of heaven. And when it's full, people draw it ashore. And then they sit down and they sort it out into containers. They keep the good and they throw away the bad. Now, again, in the time that Jesus lived, the bad, well, that's like Leviticus 11. These were non-kosher fish. And uh, so they were probably, you know, fish without uh, fins or scales on it. But that's not the point. The point is that the kingdom of heaven, says Jesus, will draw into its net both the good and the bad. It will simply drag people along. See, we've been talking about the value of the kingdom. And there will be those who, when they see the kingdom, will say, this is so valuable that I'd gladly give up everything but there will be others that don't see the value of the kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven will become so large, it will have so much impact on people that it will garner with it, if you will, hangers on. Uh, People who are dragged along and they get caught up in the enthusiasm of the Christian life. And so they're hanging on for a given period of time, but they never would be willing to sell all they have. The kingdom isn't that valuable to them. I mean, we know that in our day, there are people that think the only good that the kingdom of heaven does is I can claim wealth and then get it. So the kingdom is just for them a vehicle to get money here and now. They would not give up money here and now for the sake of a kingdom. They have misplaced values. Do you see that? Now, now here's the, the point of all of this. Jesus says, however, in the end of the day, the time will come in the close of the age, when the time of judgment is at hand and all the hangers on will be thrown into the fiery furnace. And you might say, well, that seems a little harsh. But listen, this is a part of the gospel. I'm reading Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying on in the desires of the body and mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. See, the reality is that every single human being lives in sin. We live in overt and covert rebellion against God. We break God's commands at will, and we justify our behavior in numerous ways. 
And God, who is righteous, holds every human being accountable for our sins. See, here's the value of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of anyone who would entrust their lives into his hands. Put your life into Christ's hands and he removes sins. Now, how valuable is that? How valuable is the forgiveness of sins? See, some people will say that's more valuable than anything else this world has to give. If in order to get that, I have to lose everything, gladly do it. But others aren't so sure, but they're caught up in the enthusiasm of this thing. Even though they're caught up in their enthusiasm, they've never surrendered to Christ and allowed him to be Lord and Savior of every area of their lives. They resist him and insist on their own path. So they're still lost in sin, even though they're being dragged along by the enthusiasm of it. Of course, in the end of the day, the time of judgment is at hand. I mean, Jesus said there will be many in that day who said, Lord, Lord, did we not? And then he will say to them, I never knew you. See, what Jesus is looking for is not individuals who simply play a good game. He's interested in individuals who will gladly give him and yield up their lives into his hands. They recognize Jesus is more valuable than anything else they have, even their own selfish self-will. They'll say, Lord Jesus, rule over everything. You are worth more than everything. And see, this is my invitation to you. My invitation is that you should see in Jesus and in the gospel of the kingdom a value for which you would gladly give up your own life, for which you would gladly give up all of your wealth and every reputation that you have in this world. Make yourself destitute in this world so that you might have that. That's the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And those who find it have great joy because it's an eternal joy. It never passes away. Endless ages will pass away. Billions of billions of years will roll by and you will be thankful for the day in which you surrendered your life into the hands of Christ. Refuse so great of an invitation and the sorrow of that moment will also never pass away. Jesus is making an appeal to our hearts. Value the kingdom, don't value this world. Welcome back to Truth and Life today. And John, thanks for your message yeah. today. Uh, you know, it's really interesting looking at those uh, uh, parables in Matthew and you start to think about all the things you value and the things you don't value and right. maybe the things you overvalue. Right. I think it's probably true to say that because you value something, it doesn't make it wrong. It's mm -hmm. just relative to what you value yes. for the kingdom. You know, somebody might misunderstood what I've said and that, you know, we shouldn't enjoy this world, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we sing, this is my father's world, and it is. He is the creator, and he made his creation for our enjoyment. So we, we need to do that. It's not wrong to pursue a career. Yeah. See, it's not wrong to take care of our families. I mean, all these things, but we need to recognize that whatever we find in this world, Ben, it's all going to end. Yeah. And it's going to come to an end, not with a bang, but well, usually with a whimper. And so we're going to lose all the things that are in this world. So if your hope is in this life, I promise you it will end as a tragedy. So, you know, a, a, there can be something quite benign. I, you know, I, I find joy in my wife. But if that's the reason you live, 
Her death won't be, you know, just sad and reason to mourn. Her death is going to be the devastating moment of your life for which you'll leave no room to live anymore. That's, mm. if you value this world um, and don't value the kingdom above all things, yeah. you're a fool. Yeah. So how do we protect our priorities or those things we value? Yeah, I think we need to constantly be saying to Jesus for the sake of the kingdom, if you need to take it all away so that I might value that, if you cause suffering in, your, in my life so that I might value the life to come, then Lord, according to your will, let it be done so that I would value that which is valuable. Fantastic. Thanks so much, John. And uh, remember to join us next week as we continue Truth and Life Today. Thank you.